and, uh, and, and say exactly what I want to say today. Um, you guys want to do that? I can, I can step back down, at least with the harmonica. I'd love to have that going on when I'm preaching. Um, but, but the message, the words there, uh, it's so true. And really, I hope that you'll even think of, of that uh, when, when, you, when I'm preaching and you hear some of these words of, of Jesus and from the scripture, uh, that it lines up so well that uh, that, that, that is the gospel. So um, I'm going to start out with this is not the gospel. This is a joke. Just giving you a heads up just in case, you know, if it's not funny, you could still laugh to be nice. But uh, yeah, three men, uh, they died and they're at the pearly gates and they're, they're asked one question. That if you answer this question, then you can go to heaven. Uh, you can come on in. So what is Easter is the question. The first one said, oh, it's that holiday in, in November, I think, and we, we get together and we give things. No, no, that's, that's wrong. Uh, so the second guy gets in. He says, well, that's uh, in December. We celebrate uh, Jesus. As it, we, it's definitely Jesus and his birth, and we have presents and a tree. And you're not even trying. Have you, have you been under a rock? And, um, and then he gets to the third guy, and he said, all right, let's hear it. Well, he says, Easter is the Christian holiday that coincides with the Jewish celebration of Passover. Jesus and his disciples were eating at the Last Supper, and Jesus was later deceived and turned over to the Romans by one of his disciples. The Romans took him to be crucified, and he was hung on a cross with nails in his hands and his feet. He was buried in a nearby cave, which was sealed off by a large boulder. And finally, someone knew. Then he continued, And every year the boulder is moved aside so that Jesus can come out, and if he sees a shadow, there will be six more weeks of winter. I think you saw the shadow, judging by outside today. So anyway, that's not the gospel, and, and that's, not, that's not true. Um, last Sunday, we looked at a story when Jesus was raised from the dead. I'm sorry, Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus. We, re- we read about people making choices in their fears and in their problems and in their pain, and so they had to make decisions. Do they still trust Jesus? Do they still follow him? Do they trust in his power, even, even if it doesn't seem like it makes sense? And do they believe his promises? And so we looked at a, a, a couple of verses, that, or one verse that really stood out the most. And Jesus made a claim, and you saw this on the screen last week, but it's, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And we looked at what that actually meant. And, and then he made this promise, the one who believes in me will live, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he said, do you believe this? And so that's what these people had to decide. Thomas Martha, Mary, and others, they had to show that they believe this by, not just by answering it, by living it out. And, and so I thought, well, if things are going tough, and we're in pain, and, and we're, we have fears of the future, and we're, you know, there's problems, that's most of us most of the time, but, but what about when we're not going through that, or we're not at least, we don't have the chance to show people in our trust, and, uh, and, and show people that we follow Jesus through those. What about in our day-to-day monotonous life. How do we, if, if you believe in Jesus, what is an appropriate response? So how do we go about our daily lives um, by uh, showing that we believe in Jesus? And it's very simple, uh, and we just did it, um, one form of it, and it's this. Worship Jesus. That's it. Worship Jesus. Now, what that means may not, may not uh, mean exactly what we think always, um, we looked last week in John chapter 11, and today we're going into John 12. And what I see, from, especially from the two stories combined, because when you read John chapter 11, we see Lazarus being raised. 
And then when you get into 12, it, he, there's these notes that it keeps saying, well, while the people who saw Lazarus being raised or the people who were present when Lazarus was raised. And so I see that belief leads to worship. Belief in Jesus leads to worship. There's, there's no other choice. And so let's look at how this plays out in John chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. All right, I'm going to try not to move, okay? Six days, no, I'm going to have to. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So there's the, there's the first one. He here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while La- Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about took about a pint of, sorry, start over. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, as keeper of the money bag, who used to uh, help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. First, worship Jesus on your own. A dinner uh, is being held in Jesus' honor. We know from a different place in the Bible, a parallel passage, that it was at Simon the leper's house. Uh, Lazarus was back from the dead. Just last chapter we read, this guy died, he was dead for four days, and Jesus came and, and uh, brought him back to life. So now he's, he's just there at the dinner as well. So that'd be, that might be interesting. And Martha was always serving because um, this was the custom, but the women had to serve. They were not invited to join in, in, in the celebration or the feast. Uh, and so Martha was serving, and, and so that means her sister Mary would have to be doing the same thing, right? Well, she wasn't. We read in here. She was, she was dumping perfume, about a year's worth uh, of perfume, on Jesus' feet. That's, that's pretty intense. But Mary didn't stop there. Perfume was used for hair, not feet. Um, but Mary showed, and everyone else, she showed Jesus and everyone else what it meant to worship. See, she put it on his feet. Um, this was an act of humility, an act of service. But So then she picked up the towel to rub it in and wipe it off. And No, it doesn't say anything about a towel. Mary, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this in church, Mary let her hair down. Yeah. This, yeah, if I would have said this in this time, yeah, it, it, it may have been a question. Should I actually say this? See, this was very personal and intimate. Um, I'll say it wasn't sexual, but it was very personal and intimate. A woman did this for her husband only in, in his presence, in, in, their, in their house, maybe in the bedroom. She would only let her hair, out, hair down then. So if you let your hair down in front of other men, that's kind of the, kind of the idea. I mean, uh, that's what people would think. Uh, this shouldn't be happening right now. Um, but this was Mary showing Jesus and everyone else, regardless of surroundings, of circumstances, of customs, of the culture, of the way we worship in church maybe, that she was fully committed and devoted and in love with Jesus. So what did she do? 
she believed in Jesus fully, and she worshipped him in the way that she could. Now, we like to think of worship as a certain time, 1045 for us, um, where we come to a certain place, obviously we're in here, and even a certain style. See, we, we kind of expect in here that there will be contemporary worship, and if you go at 830 over there, there will be traditional music. Um, and I think all of that can and should happen. But worship as a group is only an overflow of what's going on the rest of our, of our weeks and our lives. Because we like to talk about what we love. We like to um, praise and, and, uh, and celebrate what we love. Uh, we cheer for what we love. We wear clothing or apparel, we call it, when it, when it has to do with sports, for what we love. We buy flags of our favorite teams. We put bumper stickers or license plate brackets on, on our cars. We wear hats. Uh, and we, we just generally talk about what we have an interest in. And so when we come together, our corporate worship is just a reflection of what we love. So if, uh, what is on, what's on your hearts the rest of the week then? Um, if you believe in Jesus, when was the last time you worshipped him on your own? Uh, I think that matters a lot. There was no singing. I'm not just talking about that. Uh, we didn't see singing in this story. We, we didn't see hands being lifted up. We didn't see stimulation from music. We saw a lady who was creative and simply worshipped Jesus in a way that she thought would please him. That was it. It was, uh, it was, we saw humility and service and sacrifice, and it was a year's worth of perfume. I see a lady that didn't worry about what other people thought. She just felt it was time to worship Jesus or praise him and give him honor, and so she did it. In the story, we also see others trying to use logic and preconceived notions and self-righteousness. Um, we see people who thought they were better than her. But what did Jesus see? This is what has to matter to us. Jesus said, leave her alone. That was it. When you believe in Jesus, when you truly believe, like what we talked about last week and the power and the promises and we want to follow him, and, and you want to express that, then do it. We do that on our own. Let's keep going. Uh, verse 12, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him, and these things had been done to him. So next, we worship Jesus with others. See how this worship played out, how it happened. Um, they sat down and they discussed how they would like to worship Jesus. They talked about what kind of music would be best, and how long the service should be, and they talked about what kind of people they'd like to attract. No, none of that. They heard Jesus was going to be around, and so they praised his name. That was it. There was some theology involved. Yeah, they quoted scripture. They shouted. They honored him by waving palm branches. A group of people believed in Jesus, so they just started worshiping. This was a big deal. I think it's a big deal to us and to our churches today. People, people actually leave one church, and we, we say that we're family, right? Um, we try to live life together and encourage each other and support each other, and, and we're family. And, and, that, and people actually leave one church family to go to another uh, because of the way that we worship. If we change the music style, I'm sure it would happen. Could you imagine sitting down with your spouse and, uh, and your kids, and you say, you know, 
you got you all you you mean the world to me. I mean, we're blood, and I care for you, and I love you more. I would do anything for you. We are family. Um, we've served together. We've lived life together. Uh, we've been through experiences and pains and hardships and joys, and I wouldn't trade you for the world. But I don't really like what you watch on TV. I don't, I'm more of a Hallmark kind of guy, and you're always watching cartoons, and, and uh, you're always watching sports. And, you know, so I think I'm going to go find a new family. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find I'm going to find a family that they they like to uh, they watch what I watch. Doesn't that sound ridiculous? I mean, I mean, really, uh, something so small. Uh, just I don't like the way I do it. So I say we're family, but I'm going to go find a new family. That's what happens. We have blood. We have the same blood. We have Jesus' blood that brings us together, and so so we need to consider what really matters. What can, what do we let divide us? What small things? And then some people, they take a, maybe a, a more holy approach. Uh, this is actually probably the one that I do um, more often. Um, it's what kind of music or what kind of style should we have that would reach the most people, reach the lost? I think that's a fair question as well. But do you think these people in this story who heard about Jesus, they said, hey, Jesus is coming. So we're going to, we're going to worship him, but... How do you think we can get the most people to come and sing with us? Um, what are people listening to on Spotify these days? I said that first service and it didn't really make sense. I don't know why. <laughs> but, but do you think people actually did that? No. The answer is no. They worshiped Jesus because they felt like he deserved it. Now, we want to keep people here. We don't want to make, make changes just to make changes that make people leave. No, we, want to, we want to attract people. Absolutely. We want people to come uh, from outside these walls. We want people to come in here and worship as well. But let us first just ask, how can we worship Jesus in a way that is pleasing to him? Let it be an overflow. Don't let it be, this is the end all. If we come here and we sing these songs and we do it this way, this is the only time that we worship Jesus. No, if we're worshiping the other six days a week and we come in here, it's like, oh, that's, that's nice. But if you're worshiping in the rest of the week, then this is just an overflow from your heart. Our worship needs to be honest and heartfelt with the primary reason not to um, make people happy in the church, not to even make people happy outside of the church. But our worship has to be something that is honoring to God. That's, how, that's what they did first. So let us, let, let us first ask, how can we be most pleasing to Jesus? All right, let's keep going. Another way to worship from verses 17 to 19. Now, the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look at how the whole world has gone after him. Next, lead others to worship Jesus. Now, it sounds like maybe I just said that that's not important. It's very important. It's not first. First is to honor God. They did it in a way. They didn't tell other people about how amazing their minister was, or probably more likely their associate minister. <laughs> Amen, yes, right. Uh, or, or even about the children's program, uh, or, or what style of worship they had, or all those things uh, that they offered. You might win someone to the church, but um, they might even hear about Jesus while they're at the church. And I think that's why we have all these programs. But you might not. You might not win them to Jesus by, by winning them to the church. See, people want to worship. Uh, we have to be careful then what we lead them to worship. In, in, in this book, The Triumph of Faith, 
uh, Rodney Stark argues that our world is open to spiritualities, including Christianity and other beliefs. He writes, the world is more religious than it has ever been. Around the globe, four out of every five people claim to belong to an organized faith, and many of the rest say they attend worship services. In Latin America, Pentecostal Protestant churches have converted tens of millions, and Catholics are going to Mass in unprecedented numbers. There are more church-going Christians in sub-Saharan Africa than anywhere else on earth, and China may soon become home of the most Christians. Meanwhile, although not growing as rapidly as Christianity, Islam enjoys far higher levels of member commitment than it has for many centuries. The same is true for Hinduism. In fact, of all the big world religions, only Buddhism may not be growing. Furthermore, in every nook and cranny left by organized faith, all manner of unconventional and unchurched supernaturalisms are booming. There are more occult healers than medical doctors in Russia. 38% of the French believe in astrology. 35% of Swiss agree that some fortune tellers really can't foresee the future. And nearly everyone in Japan is careful to have a new car blessed by a Shinto priest. The world is very religious. People are looking to worship. People are looking for uh, direction and spiritual guidance. So what will we lead them to worship? See, in today's scripture, I see a group of people telling other people about how, who Jesus was and what he did. Not how they were going to go about it, but who he was. So we need to stop being so focused on what we are doing as a church and start talking more about what Jesus did for the church. That's what matters. That's what wins people. That's what keeps people. And that's what matters that we win them to anyway. See, last week at the Intentional Church Conference, um, it was really good. The speaker talked about uh, the order of getting people to Jesus. And he talked about uh, how it used to be you would tell them about, about Jesus and then you'd get them into a group or connected and then they would serve. And then later they, they changed it to where you would get them into the community or the small group uh, and then you would tell them about Jesus and then they would serve. And then later they changed the model to where you get people to serve and then you get them into a group, maybe at a home where it's less intimidating. Then you get them into the church and tell them about Jesus. Now, I don't think there's a, a cookie-cutter model. I don't think all that matters so much. But the idea is that when we, when we get them, uh, we have to remember what we're trying to get them to. Our success is not in the groups, how many people. Our success is not how many people are serving, but how many people know Jesus. And so in all that we do, that's why today it's only Jesus. Last week's sermon was called Only Jesus. There's nothing else that we need to point people to but Jesus. Irregardless of the method, if you believe in Jesus, then point people to Jesus every day. Now in just a minute, we're going to get to our last idea of, of worshiping Jesus. And I hope your, your mind's being opened a little bit more to, uh, from the scripture uh, as to what worship actually means. Um, but I, I want... Uh, I want this last one. Um, I want you to understand this is my favorite one, but I didn't put it at the end because I wanted to. I put it at the end because it's last in the scripture. But I think this is what sums it all up. And I think this is the starting place for everyone. And so it says this, verse 20. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. 
Whoever serves must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Worship Jesus by being like him. I read this quote. Um, it was either by Dwight Schrute or Charles Caleb Colton. I'm not really sure. But it says this, Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. I think that's, I think that's right. And I love the way that Jesus answers questions and requests. He usually answers questions with questions and requests in ways that you don't really understand why he's saying that. Because I think he gets to the heart of the issue and not just answering it in a way that how we would on the surface level. Um, and so basically what's happening is there's these guys that want to meet Jesus. And it seems like maybe it's a celebrity thing. Like if I go up to him, it'll be weird. And, you know, it, but if, but if uh, you're his friend, if you introduce us, uh, that, that would probably be more smooth. And I could play it, play it cool a little bit, you know. And, and so they asked Jesus' friends, hey, could you introduce us? But in his unorthodox style, uh, Jesus said basically, you, you want to meet me? You want to? You want to maybe come with me or, or, uh, or, or praise me, honor me for what I did? Um, well, this is how it's going to play out. I'm going to die. And, uh, and then something great's going to happen. You'll see. We'll get to that part. And if anyone wants to come to me, uh, you got to do it too. you got to die as well. Um, he, in a way, in a, I feel like in a, in a nice way, um, or at least a, a way that you have to think, he said he's a thief and he's going to die. But then he said, now you're, you guys are all thieves too. Uh, you're, you're fruitless, and, and really there's nothing to it uh, at this point. Uh, keep the seed the way it is, stay the way you are, and eventually you, you'll be nothing. You'll be nothing of relevance. Um, but, but if you do what I do, Jesus saying this, um, my Father, who is God, uh, well, this honor that you're trying to give me, we're going to actually share it. So my question is, uh, for you and, and for myself, I have to ask, how long will you be a thief? How long will you be a seed? How long will you be fruitless and life-preserving? Now, w- at what point will we consider that we actually believe what Jesus says, that we actually want to follow him, and that we trust his, his promises and his power, and we start to follow him every day? Then you become a plant. He, he uses wheat as the illustration, a tree, something that produces fruit, something that matters. I believe this is the ultimate response of worship. Singing is great, but dying to yourself and choosing Jesus, putting him first, that's the ultimate form of worship. See, I, th- I think this matters, and it's really good because this is for the person who, heard, who is hearing about Jesus for the first time today, but this is also for the person who has been hearing about Jesus their entire lives. See, all of us were or are seeds. All of us were seeds at some point. Some because you don't know any different, and some because you just haven't chosen any different. Be more than a seed. See, today, with the rain and the cold, how many, how many farmers do we have in here? How many people are waiting to put seeds in the ground? I know there's, I know there's a few. You just don't want to participate. Uh, that's okay. I have no idea how many seeds need to go into the ground in the next month, but I know there's a lot, and... Basically, until we get to that point, um, it's kind of just sitting there, kind of just useless at this point. But that's the Christian life as well. The seed has to be buried for the new life to happen. That's, that's what it means. So Romans 6, 3 and 4 really spells this out and, and helps to explain this a little bit. It says this, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus 
were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. The seed is us. And then being like Jesus, what he did was die and then it multiplied. He, he made disciples of himself. Um, and so baptism is this idea uh, that we die to ourselves, we go under the water, and then we come out in new life. New life springs up. The act of baptism has been debated for I don't know how long in terms of salvation. Uh, this morning I want you to consider baptism in terms of the act of worship. I mean, think about this. Why would you not be baptized if you truly believe that Jesus is praiseworthy and trustworthy? If you really trust what he's saying, and he's saying this is what you have to do, and you want to follow me, you want to praise him, why sit back and just question it? Why, don't, why do we need to do this anyway? I don't, we don't have to do this because they don't do it this way. No, why would we not just listen to the words of Jesus and just trust him for once and do what he says? He made an offer for new life. He's telling you, you can have it. Just follow me. So we follow his example. They worship Jesus after he raised someone else from the dead. We worship Jesus because he was raised from the dead by the Spirit. Dying to yourself daily has to happen. Um, this idea of, of baptism and, and, and the new life, well, we're, we're going to mess up again. And, and, and truthfully, I, I'm a seed. I, I feel like I'm still a seed sometimes. And I would love it if I could wake up every day, seven days a week, and I'm not a seed anymore. I'm not living to myself. But this is a daily decision as well. So I hope to get one day of where I'm not living for myself. I'm not even thinking about my, my fears or my problems or my pain. I'm just thinking about Jesus and how I can praise him. But maybe you could get to two days or, or three days. Or maybe someday you'll get to seven days where you wake up every day and you say, I'm not going to live for myself. I'm going to live for Jesus. And this is my act of worship. So I want to leave you with one verse from Galatians 2.20. And I think this is a good reminder because it's a challenge. It tells us where we are with Christ, and it gives us, it gives us uh, the hope that we have because of his love. And it says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. And I thank you. I thank you for your love. I thank you that uh, we can see others who followed you. Um, and, I th and I thank you that you've shown us how, how to respond. God, I thank you that, uh, that you, you first sent Jesus, and he was the seed. And, and because he died, uh, we can have life. And so now I pray for all of us, uh, myself included, that every day we wake up and ask what we can do now uh, because of what you've done for us. Thank you so much for Jesus, and it's his name we pray.